Matthew chapter 5. Stand with me, please. We'll read verses 33 to 37. Matthew chapter 5. Standing, we're in Matthew chapter 5. Talk about swearing. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33. We will read aloud together down to verse 37. Once you've found that. All right. Say it with me out loud. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Let's pray. Father, again, we bow in prayer, asking you to help us to be hearers of your word and doers. Lord, we got to hear it. Our, our, our Western culture is numb. We're, um, uh, we're burned out. We're tired. Sunday's not the first week for most, first day of the week. It's the last day of the week for so many people. Lord, so this morning, I pray that you give us just the strength to hear what you say unto the church and that we would take it seriously what comes out of our lips and that, uh, God, we take it seriously what we promise. And uh, Lord, I know that you do. Every promise you made is yea. It is yes. You will keep it. So Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for uh, uh, these who are here, that you would bless as we gather Around your word now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> All right. Now, I have found that most people don't know why they're asked to swear in a court of law. I think they see it in the movies, but they don't expect to actually have to do it in a court where somebody says, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Now, sometimes they get rid of the so help you God, but they ask you to swear. I find that most people today mock and reject courtroom swearing like it doesn't matter. Like it's offensive to make me swear. Well, I got news for you. It, it is important and it is right to do as I'm going to talk about. Do you even realize what happens in a court when you, uh, where you do not swear to tell the truth? If you come up and somebody says to you, do you swear to tell the truth? And you go, I won't swear. You know what they won't do? They will not allow you to testify. And if you say you're caught in a, in a lawsuit and somebody's suing you and they bring you to court and you say, I will not swear, it's against my religion. Well, they may try to accommodate, but they're going to get you to affirm some way that you are going to tell the truth um, uh, uh, without any shadow of a lie. And if you won't do that, they'll say, then you're a liar. And they will throw you out of the court or they'll throw you in jail. Now, um, the judge and the jury need to know that you are willing to be prosecuted for lying. That's what a swear is. You're saying, I am telling the truth and I'm willing to be prosecuted if I'm lying. That's what swearing is. Now, if you've been ever subpoenaed to testify or you're a material witness, 
and you've refused to, to be sworn, then you'll either be fined or you'll be in jail because the court system needs people who take telling the truth seriously. Does that make sense? If you ever have somebody who is accusing you of something, you need to be able to go, to law, uh, go before the law and say, I'm telling the truth, that guy's a liar. And it needs to be serious. And really, I say this, shame on you if you do not think it's important to publicly promise before God to tell the truth. If you are not willing to publicly promise to tell the truth, you obviously neither respect the seriousness of the courtroom, nor the importance of telling the truth, and nor the consequence of telling a lie. Now, Jesus, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, teaches about the characteristics, not of this world, but of a better world, of the kingdom of God. He challenges what people already thought that they believed, and he called them to understand it deeper. He didn't throw away the Old Testament law. He challenged them to understand it. And in chapter 5, he explodes six big myths about murder and how it all begins with anger. And how adultery all begins with lust in your heart. He blows the myth about divorce. And he also, now he's going to explode people's um, uh, constant swearing and promising without ever keeping their promises. He'll move on to retaliation and then to loving your enemies. And it is amazing to me. We'll pick and choose which one of these we like and which one we will appreciate. There are ones that we go, oh, I don't agree with that. You can't do that. They come as a package. Now, Jesus did not replace God's laws. He never required, you know, the Old Testament law required you to swear to tell the truth, to keep your promises. Um, and by the way, I'm going to warn you, <clears throat> I want to use some vulgar terms because I need you to understand how we don't even know what we say and how, what we do and how we, we react with one another. It won't be too vulgar, but I want you to understand that we swear and we do in, in, a, in, a, in a common way that is wrong. And that Jesus is hitting that saying, stop it. And I hope that you do. And I know you will if you take this seriously. So, uh, forget the, the verses 31, 32, but in verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, Again, ye have heard, talking about all the old-time traditions, that it has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself. It's the only time it's found in your Bible. We're going to find out what that word means. But thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. So we've heard, don't forswear yourself, which simply just means don't falsely swear. So they didn't mind. They found that in the Bible, you're, 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 when you swear, just don't lie that, and, and swear that you're telling the truth. But people took that to an extreme where all they did was swear that they're telling the truth. And so we're going to go there in a moment. He says, secondly, and do what you promise you will do. Did your parents ever teach you that? There are, there are some things my dad taught me, and I, I sit back and I thank God for my dad because most parents probably try to teach their children to not lie and to do what you promised to do, what you promised to do. Now... There was no problem with those commandments. Both were clear commandments in the Bible. Go to Exodus. You can leave this for a moment. Go to Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> Verse 
Exodus chapter 20, the third, the very third commandment. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 says this. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in what? All right. He's, he's saying don't use God's name vainly for no reason. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So I come along and I stub my toe and I go, curse Darren. <laughs> and I use his name. He's not to blame for it. Uh, so when we're constantly saying God this and God that or Christ this and all this stuff, we're using a name vainly. We're using it for our own purpose. In, in, in common language, don't use the Lord's name to make a promise unless you're going to keep it. Because that's swearing. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You're in Exodus. Go to Leviticus. Numbers. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and what? Swear by his name. So it is commanded that you should swear by his name. Numbers, go back a few pages to the book of Numbers chapter 30 in verse 2. Numbers 30 in verse 2. <clears throat> Numbers 30 and verse 2 says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his what? He shall do according to all that proceeded out of his mouth. Amen. So Jesus did not say that it was wrong to swear by God's name. He was focusing on how swearing had taken the place of just telling the truth. There, there was no need to constantly swear that you're telling the truth. I'll, I'll, I'll point this out in a minute. See, the problem is not with making promises. And by the way, I find fewer and fewer people making any kind of promises. The problem was that people made promises, but no intention to keep them. Uh, I thought I forgot it. Okay, so Jesus goes on and he says, but I say unto you, no more swearing at all. In normal everyday conversation, don't you dare go around and just say, I swear I'm telling the truth. Common swearing should never be part of our language. And I'll tell you what, what swearing is in a moment when we look at the definition. Just tell the truth. If there's one thing that my dad said to me that resonates to this day, it is the worst thing you can do is lie. Because all other actions, somebody can deal with you, and if you're telling the truth, you'll go, you're right. But if you're a liar, nobody can ever point out that you're wrong. You'll always make an excuse. You'll always try to squirm. You'll always see it in a different light. You'll always, you'll never just own up to what you did as wrong. So if you're a liar, I don't know how you're ever going to get saved. I don't know how you're ever going to serve God. If you are comfortable with lying, you, are, you have stopped God from ever being able to use you. End of story. The very foundation of the Christian life is truth. Amen? The very first weapon we use against the devil is truth. Put on the whole armor of God wearing the, the um, um, what's it called? Something of truth. Well, it's not the belt. It's the, no, it doesn't say the belt. What does it say? Huh? No. 
the, the turban. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, but the first weapon you use against uh, in spiritual warfare is truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So if you dabble with lying to protect yourself, you'll find yourself swearing you're telling the truth while still keeping your lie. And that's wrong. And secondly, just do what you say you're going to do. There's just something about being dependable without swearing. Now let's look at the word meanings. The common meaning of swearing. Most people think it means saying a bad word. <laughs> oh, you swore. Some people will say the F word. Some will say the S word. You know, almost every letter in our alphabet has a bad word to it. You know, swear words are offensive words. They are offensive by design. You don't go, oh, love. <laughs> oh, grace. No, people use offensive words, upsetting words. They are words that are spoken for the effect on the hearer. I realized the power of words when I was about, let's say, six years old, maybe seven years old. And I had some friends over from school, and they said a bad word. And boy, it made me shiver. I didn't know what it meant. But they, they, there was just there was something powerful about that word. So I got up on, on uh, my brother's bike, and I sat up there, and I began to announce that word quite loudly, and I began to say it over and over. And my mom comes out there, and you know how why these ears are so big? Because <laughs> she grabbed my ears, she pulled me in, she said, boys, go home. <laughs> she put me up on that sink, and she lathered up that rag, and she washed my mouth out with soap. She said, you're never going to say that word again. I still don't know what word I said. <laughs> but there was power in that word. It was an offensive word. There was, and when you, when you say that kind of a vulgar word, ooh, people, they pay attention to you. That's common swearing. It's full of emotion. Not just a word, but something that makes what you're saying believed or, or paid attention to. Usually, up until the last decade, religious words like damn and Jesus Christ and God were really big. But they've almost lost their force now. People don't believe in any of that. So now it's vulgar stuff. Words that are just, you cannot repeat. Don't even want to hear. People who don't even believe in hell will still say the word hell for effect. I heard somebody ask a question, says, uh, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to pay that? And they went, hell no. I said I was going to warn you. I'm just a few vulgar words here just to get your attention. And why did they just say no? They said, hell no, just to emphasize, just to make you go, ooh, he means it. Amen? Are you with me? That's what people, when they think of swearing, and that's part of this meaning here, it is for the effect. My mother called it being having a potty mouth. Amen? And if you have the, the, the common thing of saying damn or hell or any other word for effect, that's a swear word, you have a potty mouth too. Amen? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Your parents didn't teach you 
enough or you didn't pay attention, you don't take it seriously, it is wrong out of a Christian's mouth to come both sweet and sour or sweet and bitter or sweet and filthy. I mean, your words ought to be right. Jesus said it was totally unnecessary. Now, the official meaning, I said, the official meaning of to swear is to affirm or express a solemn, a serious declaration with an appeal to God that what you're saying is absolutely true. It's basically you're swearing to the truth of a statement. It's a promise that God will judge you if you're not telling the truth. That's what it means to swear. Because speaking the truth used to be important. During an engagement, I, found, I thought this was really cruel. How many of you ever heard of my betrothed? You ever heard that phrase? My I, this is my betrothed. Now, I don't know if anybody says that anymore. But I looked that up. You know what that word in the old English, betrothed, it is, it means, um, I mean, because I, it's really cool. I want to make sure I'm right. means to pledge your troth or your truth. My betrothed is I'm being true to her. I'm being true to him. It's, I, am, I am from this day or from the day of our engagement, I'm true to that person, my betrothed. You know, you expect truth from your garter when they accuse you of speeding. Did they just want to make some money on the side? Or are they telling the truth? We expect it of our children when we ask where they've been. We expect it of our neighbors when we find them in the back garden. What are you doing? Uh, my golf ball landed back here. Yeah, right. Okay. We expect the truth, don't we? We expect it of our doctors when we ask their opinions, what's wrong with us? And they go, you're fine, you're fine. He's going to die. <laughs> I find that a truthful person, I mean a seriously truthful person, is very, very rare today. It's very rare that you can trust anyone to tell the truth. Now we get to that word, forswear. It simply means to tell a lie while swearing that you're telling the truth. <laughs> to swear you're telling the truth and yet you're lying. To make a promise that you don't care if you're going to keep it or not. I'll be there. I swear. <laughs> I'm not going to be there. What's the Irish? I will, yeah. I will, yeah. The modern word for swear is to perjure yourself, to willfully tell an untruth or to make a misrepresentation under oath. And it is serious enough that you could face jail time or a stiff fine just for lying when you promise to tell the truth. See, everybody lies, but when you promise you're going to tell the truth, they can, they can fine you and they can throw you in jail. That's why a courtroom requires you to swear and not in normal life. Now, what were people doing then, and what are they doing now? Number one, they were comfortably lying while swearing. They were saying things they knew were lies, and yet swearing that they were God's honest truth. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. It was in the culture that they constantly, oh, I swear I'm telling the truth. Really? I'll show you a horrible... Example of this, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 72. Matthew 26 
in verse 72. Look at verse uh, 71. When he was going out into the porch, this is Peter, another maid saw him and said to him that, uh, that were there, unto them that were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72. And again, he, Peter, denied with a what? He made a rise. I, I, I promise you, I do not know the man. Was he lying? And yet, what was he saying? I promise I don't know him. Next, verse 73. And, while, and after a while came unto him, they stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. You talk like a hillbilly from, from Galilee. Verse 74. Then began he to curse and to swear. I swear to God, I know not the man. How awful that Peter would find himself falling back on the old Peter and swearing that I'm telling the truth when he knew he was lying. That's what Jesus is referring to. Today, most Christians are more worried about getting people to believe what they're saying than just telling what is true. People say, I swear it. I swear I'm telling the truth. I swear I wasn't with those boys. I swear I didn't touch your wallet. <laughs> I swear I was just out on the green. That's what my kids would say. I was just out on the green. We looked for you. You weren't out on the green. But I was there. Yeah, right. <laughs> like a turtle. If you feel like you always have to swear that you're telling the truth, then you're probably lying. Amen? I, I, I read several studies, and one really... A magazine called Psychology Today. It's, an, it's, a, it's a wicked work being a psychologist today. But this magazine did a huge study with like 74,000 people. You know what they found out? They found out that people actually believe people who swear and say filthy, vulgar words in their conversations more than people with clean vocabulary. They believe if somebody go, Hell no. They go, oh, he's serious. He's, he, that, he's not going to pay that bill. Then just saying, no, I won't. We have, our culture, like that day, has become one where we value words for effect than character. We value the feeling, the circumstance, the, the atmosphere of that sentence instead of the words that you're saying. That's why the Bible doesn't have power with people, because God doesn't constantly use all this colorful language that everybody else does. But it wasn't always this way. Christians viewed swearing just 100 years ago very differently. Listen to this. Profane swearing back then is always the evidence of a depraved heart. To trifle with the name of God or with any of his works, like to say, I swear, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear on the top of my head. Nobody really says that, but the Jews were saying that. To trifle with the name of God or with any of his works is itself the most decided proof of depravity. That was 100 years ago. No man back then is believed any sooner in common conversation because he swears to a thing. When we hear a man swear to a thing, it is pretty good evidence that he knows that what he's saying to be false. And, sh and we should be on our guard. It is no mark of a gentleman to swear. The most worthless and vile, the refuse of mankind, the drunkard, the prostitute, they all swear. 
Why would a Christian swear in normal conversation? Amen? Profaneness does not do anyone any good. Nobody's the richer or wiser or happier for it. It helps no one's morals or matters. And God will not hold the profane swearer guiltless. That was just 100 years ago. We need that on our kitchens, walls. We need that on our school walls. We need that in our churches because too common vulgar words come out of our mouth just because we feel like making it an effect. How bad was your week this week? Well, let me tell you how bad an H word, F word, S word, but it comes out and you go, wow, that was a bad week. This was going on back then, comfortably lying while swearing they're telling the truth. And the second thing they were doing was making promises that they never intended to keep. Here's one. I'll pray for you. You liar. I'll be right there. That's my worst one. <laughs> need all say, I need your help. I'll be right there. 15 minutes later, I still need your help. I know, I'm coming. <laughs> uh. I'll never do that again. Yeah, right. I'm going to follow Jesus, Pastor. I'm going to stay pure until marriage, Dad. I'm going to read my Bible from now on every day. These are promises that people will make and do not intend to keep them. I'm not going to hang around with so-and-so, Mom. No, no, I know they are only trouble. I'll be careful, Mom, when I watch on the movie channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what God wants any Christian or any church or any society to get comfortable doing. What God expects of us in the kingdom of God. Back to Matthew. Chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. Verse 34, but I say unto you, swear not at all. Now, he's talking to the common people. He's not talking to the government officials. He's not going to talk to judges. There were laws that were for the judges, and there were laws for common people. And Jesus is dealing with a common, everyday man, and he's trying to say, you're in a different kingdom now, and you need to talk differently. Don't ever use swear words. Don't ever use God's name vainly. And just quit saying, I swear, in any sentence you make. You ought to be, from this day forward, afraid to ever say, I swear, to anything, unless you're forced to in a court of law. I'll talk about that. Now, the problem <clears throat> with swearing is this. It is constantly abused. It is constantly abused. People just say it, and they don't mean it, and it's just everywhere. It is mainly, as I said, the problem is people use it for effect. They'll, they'll use God's name as if it's holy anymore and, and uh, uh, to, to make an effect so that people take it more serious. It is even, hold on, uh, it is even generally expected. It's like honking is in New York City, and I, I live next to New York City, and every time I had to go to New York City, you almost had to have earplugs. Because when you're driving, it is expected you have to honk. I mean, you're changing lanes. 
everybody honks because it's expected that you honk to make sure everybody knows you're there. And people sort of get used to, you gotta swear in order for people to take you seriously. Point is, just tell the truth anyway, even if no one pays attention to you. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. I was talking to uh, Bruce Fry, and we were driving along, and he was just, nobody honks here. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah, we kind of, we're, we're not that evolved. Hallelujah, amen. Wow, he was just delighted. If there's one half second after it's turned green, if you're not moving in America, you have 17 people on your tail. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 22. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, the old you, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, 4.24, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away what? Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Go to Colossians chapter 3, two books over, Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. While you're turning there, I'll tell you, Proverbs 12 says, Lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. You say, if, if, if I committed adultery, I'm sure God would be very upset. He's upset when you lie. Did you get that? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. There's a lot of preaching that's out of balance. We ought to love one another. Well, let me tell you, we ought to love one another, but we ought to be able to trust one another. Amen? Come on, wake up. We ought to be able to know that what somebody is saying is just truth. Speak the truth in love, but never tell a lie. Colossians 3, verse 8. 3.8. <clears throat> but now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of, out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. John 8, 44 says this, You're of your father, the devil. In the lust of your father, you will do. What are Satan's earnest, hungering desire? Watch it. The lust of your father is what you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie... He speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Every time you feel comfortable lying and you think that it's okay to lie, you're being puppeteered and you're being controlled and possessed by a demon. Amen. Because he's the father of lies. Don't, don't give him that authority over your life. You know what? If you just tell the truth and nobody notices you when you just say, I'll be at work half eight, like I'm supposed to be, I will be there before then. And if you're always keeping your promise, your boss may not notice you like the guy who runs in there at 20, 20 till nine and says, boss, man, I really had to work here. I swear the, the traffic was terrible, but I'm here. And the boss goes, okay, okay. He's going to one of these days notice, you know, that other guy, he's always here early. Amen. Your parents will notice when you just tell the truth. Your wife will notice when you just Tell the truth and you keep your promise. Your neighbors will notice it. Your friends will stop and notice your trustworthiness. And they will trust you with the world. 
I had to tell my kids at different times, man, I'd find out that they were lying, and I'd say, you know what? If you just tell me the truth, if you would just, when I ask you, if you just say yes, dad, or no, dad, I would trust you with the world. But when you lie to me, I won't trust you with a paperclip. I won't. Amen. Now, not all swearing is wrong. Now, James 5, go to James 5. In general, it certainly is. James 5, 12. James here quotes Jesus. James chapter 5 and verse 12. Again, this is not dealing with people who are judges or are governors or part of, of uh, uh, the justice system. Dealing with Christianity and Christians generally. Verse 12, James 5, 12. Above all things, my brethren, swear not. Again, he quotes Jesus, neither by heaven neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, your yes be yes, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. So don't make a promise or a vow and then swear that you're going to keep it. No, just make a promise, make a vow, and then keep it. Not a problem with making, making a promise. Good night. If you add words to your promise, it ought to reveal to everyone else listening, he's hiding something. So when Jesus swears, says, swear not at all, he means in general conversation, not in court, as I will show you in Scripture, because there is the proper use of swearing. Hey, is all anger always wrong? Yes or no? No. It says, it says that if you're angry without a cause, then you're in trouble. But there's a time to be angry. You ought to be angry at yourself when you, when you say something wrong or you hurt somebody else. You ought to be very angry at yourself. You get over it, but man, that was stupid. Amen. Somebody breaks into your house, you ought to be very angry that they thought that they could get away with hurting your family. Amen. There's a time to be angry. Um, just like not all killing is wrong. There's a time where somebody, it equals, somebody kills somebody premeditated. The Bible says they should lose their life. There's a time, justice system, to bring justice, equal justice. But it's funny how the Jehovah's Witnesses and some Christians refuse to swear at all in court. And it's weird. It's a very superficial reading of the scripture because swearing and solemnly promising something is right and a good thing. Um... Oh, I was going to say this. Uh, swearing is a good thing to do when, taking, uh, when making an oath or a vow. Um, uh, when you have to go to court, they want to know, is there something more powerful than you that you fear? Yeah, I fear telling a lie because not only will you catch me, but God will. When, um, uh, when you stand before the pastor and, and you stand before a church and you get, I don't know, you, you, go up to the, you can go up to the registry office you want, but a proper wedding before God, before God's people, is where you swear to that other person, I'm going to live my life to make you happy. That's what you're swearing. You're not just using words, well, I promise. No, you're doing more than promise. You're swearing before God and his people, according to the word of God, that this is my one and only for life till death do we part. Amen. You're not just making a word promise. 
You're actually making an affirmation uh, publicly, and you're saying, if I do ever step out, in the Old Testament, if you stepped out and you committed adultery, what was the consequence under the Old Testament? You were killed, you were stoned. You'd make that promise, you'd say, this is a seer. This is not just me saying, I'll be there at six. No, I will always be there for the rest of my life. Is the necessary as part of establishing a covenant? Let me show you this. I have it. It's out of order. You'll have to trust me when I can find it. It's in Hosea. Just trust me, I'll find it in a minute. <laughs> Let me get to the point here. Swearing in court is not wrong. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16. Back to the left, just a few pages. Hebrews 6, 16. For men in the New Testament, verily, what's the next word? Swear by the greater, a greater authority than himself, and an oath for confirmation to them and the end of all strife. At some point, the court's going to review the evidence, and they're going to take what are called affidavits and disposition, depositions, and, and sworn testimonies, and they'll be able to establish this was the truth. And then it just settles it. You can't continue to fight the thing. Do you know, go to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 6. Revelation 10 and verse 6. God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, angels and good men in the scripture swear that what they're saying is true. Revelation 10 and verse 5. Revelation 10, 5 and 6. And the angel, which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, he lifted up his hand to heaven. You ever seen anybody stand up and put their hand on a Bible and their right hand in the air? You ever seen that? An angel did it. Verse, uh, lifted up his hand to heaven, and verse 6, and what? In the New Testament, an angel swear by God, by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that are therein are, and the earth and things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that, they should, that there should be time no longer. Listen to Isaiah 45. I, God, have sworn by myself. <laughs> The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall, shall swear. One of these days you're going to stand, stand to God and says, you are Lord and I swear it. Hebrews 6 verse 13 says, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing will I bless thee and multiplying will I bless thee. The apostle Paul said this, go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, in verse 1. <clears throat> Listen to Paul. He says, I say the truth in Christ. Why does he bring Christ's name into it? Why didn't he just say, I'm telling the truth? He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Romans 1.9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the, in, in the gospel of his Son. 2 Corinthians 1.23, Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul 
that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. He's saying, God is my witness. God knows. What's he doing? He's bringing God into the conversation. There are times where that is necessary. Ah, Hosea. Go to Hosea. I found my verse. <laughs> Hosea is right before Matthew. Go back a few books. You'll have Malachi, Zechariah. Keep going back left. And you'll see a little book called Hosea. Chapter 10. It's almost to Daniel. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 4. Hosea 10, 4 says, They have spoken words swearing falsely in making a what? There was a time where they would swear, but they didn't mean to keep their agreements. A covenant. Thus, God's judgment springeth up as a hemlock, which was a weed in the furrows of the field. So God was judging the nation because they weren't keeping their promises. Can you imagine conducting a wedding and asking the two people just live happily ever after? Now the two of you just go away and live happily ever after. Will it work? Probably not. But you bring God into that thing, you bring the fear of God in that thing, and you can have a marriage. They need to solemnly promise to vow to make the other person happy for the rest of their lives, and that'll be a marriage. By the way, swearing in a courtroom is not wrong. Um, as I said, Swearing used to, is used to get a witness to promise they're telling the truth in court and that they will accept punishment by the court and by God if they're telling a lie. Listen to Leviticus chapter 6. The Lord speaking to Moses saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor and sweareth falsely in any of these things, and he lists it, whether he's had his sheep or he's deceived his neighbor or something like that, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty, he will restore what he has violently taken away. The point is that uh, it is wrong to swear and be found out that you're lying. So don't swear, just tell the truth is what Jesus is saying. So when you or I make a promise, and we say, I promise to be there. I promise uh, I'm telling the truth. Should we be telling the truth? Yes. Should we add to it, I swear I'm telling the truth. No. They, a couple of years ago, they used to talk about insurance fraud and how stop insurance fraud because it costs all of us more and more insurance. And the truth is, when we lie about just about everything and it goes on everywhere, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to, to be a, a, a waitress because how many times does a waitress come and bring food and then they've eaten half of it and they go... I didn't like this. And you have to go and you have to go out of your way to find some way to give them a free meal or whatever, and you know they're lying. That should not be so in a Christian's world. So the point is, swear not at all. Because it's perjury if you're found out that you're lying. And God himself judges false lie, false swearing. Thou shalt not, uh, we read Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So, number two, he says, do what you promise. Now, this is very practical. Too many people 
loosely throw out their promises to others and don't keep them. Uh, whether it's to arrive somewhere on time or complete something they were supposed to. And I have to be honest with you. You know, uh, people, uh, well, I'll hold that thought for a second. Hold on. There's a lack of conviction in keeping your word, and it affects other people. It hurts other people. How many moms have been left to clean up after the kids and the, the husband have just, as soon as they finished eating, yeah, we'll help you, and then boom, they're gone. I find fewer and fewer people really even making any promises at all. I hear these words, well, you'll see me when you see me, Pastor. Or they'll say, something else came up, Pastor. I couldn't be in church. Yeah, something else. I have very few people that I actually count on to help to, to keep their word and to be where I need them when I need them. There are very few people I can count on. Because I know if I ask them, they'll either go, oh, I really wish you wouldn't have asked me. Because <laughs> they don't want to commit. And I know if they commit, they won't be there. I find even Christians having no commitment to anything except maybe sports and maybe their job. And so I find Christians are separating in their marriage as fast as lost people. Christians church hop like pregnant rabbits. No wonder people have no shame and don't get under conviction, don't get saved, and don't even get married because they don't make lasting decisions. When people say your word is your bond, that means your word should be like Gorilla Glue. Now, that's the most powerful glue I've found yet. It is an incredible glue. You can glue almost anything with grace. supposed to be better than super glue. Your word should be like super glue. It ought to last. Making promises and not keeping them is a lie. It's one of the worst things you can do. Because whatever comes out of your mouth should be truth. And if you say that you're going to do something, then you should do it. Even if it hurts you. You say, I made that promise, but for me to do it means I'll have to tell, I'll have to tell somebody else I can't do that. Amen. You make a promise, it ought to be something you say, I've got to do. Go to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Psalm 15 and verse 1 says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Go down to verse 4. The man in whose eyes a vile person is disrespected, is contemned. But he honoreth him that fear the Lord. And he that sweareth to his own hurt and changes not. You know, if your marriage is not great, get on with it. You made a promise, you swore, you're going to stay to it, even if it hurts you. If you make a promise to somebody, and it means you have to get up a little earlier, or you lose out on something else, or some other opportunity you miss, but you made a promise, you keep that promise. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm talking to the walls. I think I lost half of you. But when Jesus says, thou shalt not forswear thyself, he's saying, keep, just say yes or say no. And if you say yes, keep your promise. Now, there's something about learning how to say no, amen? I can't do it, amen? Don't always say it, but keep your promise. We hate it when people won't keep their word to us. If you want to earn people's respect and make friends, keep your promises. It'll set you above the crowd. It shows people you respect them enough to follow through with what you promised. When somebody doesn't adhere to an arranged schedule, 
like they come in late to work, or they come in late to school, or they come into church late, they're telling them, I don't respect you. I respect my own schedule. I got my, we're not talking about the odd time. We're talking about consistently late. You know what that says? I don't respect that schedule. That's bad. God expects us to keep our promises. Anything else, oh, let me say this. Hundreds of years ago, a man was only as good as his word. And people would take their promises very seriously. And if, if they were a liar, it dishonored them and they carried that dishonor. They were known as a liar. It took years to regain respect. And I found that banks used to give loans to people on the basis of their church membership. Wouldn't you like that if you were a member of the Bible Baptist, Bible Baptist Church? that AIB would gladly give you a loan up to 25,000 euros, no question asked. Wouldn't that be cool? But you see, in those days, to be a member of a church, it meant that you made an agreement you would never lie. And that church had a, those, those churches had a record, Methodist churches, Baptist churches had a record, had a track record of those Christians don't lie. They don't back out of their promises. They keep their promises. So the bank said, if you're a member of the Baptist church, you're a member of the Methodist church, Yes, sir, here, we'll give you the loan. No problem, no collateral, no problem at all. Because Christians used to keep their promise, used to tell the truth. It meant something to them. I hate it when people don't keep their word to us. But God expects us to keep our promises and to tell the truth, full stop. I was thinking about it this morning. Don't you misunderstand what I'm about to tell you, but I made a promise 39 years ago, not two months after I got saved, that I was going to live for God. 39 years ago, and I put that in there for emphasis, because 39 years ago I had no idea what God was going to do with me, but I promised I was going to serve Him till the day I die, and I, I determined, and I keep determined, I'm going to keep that promise. I'm not just some two-year down the road here, I'm going to serve God, and pfft. I'm going to tell you, there have been days where there's nobody helping, and I'm alone. You know what I determine? I keep going. And that's not bragging. That's to put it down on where I live and where you live to say, join with me, that you make a promise, and you especially promise God, I'm going to serve you. Then keep the promise. Amen. You will regret it for the rest of your life if you constantly say, I can't do it. Of course we can't do it. That's why we need each other. Of course we can't do it. We do it together, and we do it at high cost because he's our, he's our love of our life. He's the reason why we live. And I made a promise. No excuses. No explaining. No swearing. Just, just, just keep your promise. Anything else you might say will always come from an evil heart. You know, it ought to hurt you. When was the last time you told a lie and you hurt inside for doing it? You know, that's a good sign. Amen? That's a really good sign. The Holy Spirit's in there grabbing your heart, going, don't do that. But if you don't feel that, I question, are you even saved? Or are you just as cold as ice? It ought to hurt us when we lie. Love you, brother. <laughs> you know what the Holy Spirit in you is called? The Spirit of Truth. Constantly swearing that you're telling the truth. Constantly flavoring your language with all kinds of vulgar words just tells me you don't know the value of truth. 
Jeremiah 23 says, For the land is full of adulterers. For because of swearing, the land mourneth. Because everybody was swearing they'll do this, and yet nobody was doing it. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. Here's the conclusion. Oh, let me get this. So Jesus just basically says, stop it, yes or no. I'll do it, or I can't do it. Amen. And then do it. Here's the, here's the conclusion. Tell the truth. Be honest. Be honest in everything, even to the point of being exposed as wrong. My wife knows. She asked me anything. I got to tell her, yep or no. And she needs to know she can trust that I'm telling the truth, even if I'm caught. Amen. Even if I, man, I want my kids that if they get caught, they go, yes, Dad. I was wrong. That's a good family. Well, yeah, but your son, he did this. Yes, but when I caught him and I pointed it out, he owned it. Amen. He didn't lie about it. I'd much rather have a bunch of sinners who are honest than a bunch of fakers who will never tell the truth and they'll swear they're telling the truth. Tell the truth. Why? Because of Revelation 21. Revelation, last verse. Revelation 21, verse 8. Revelation 21 and verse 8. Revelation 21, 8, but the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and adulterers, uh-oh, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know what? You'll get in more trouble, not just for lying, but for swearing that you told the truth. Look at that series. You did wrong. You lied about it. Then you swore you told the truth. How can you be saved? Now, I know people are like that, but wow, what a bad testimony. You need to tell the truth. Never cover a lie with swearing. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. When you're asking court to swear that you're telling the truth, do it thankfully. Thank God for the opportunity to swear by God's name publicly. Then do it. Go ahead and place your hand on that Bible and swear by God and then tell what you know to be true. And if they ask you a question, you say yes. Don't say, well, you know, it depends on how you look at it. No, just say yes or no. Don't ever be afraid to tell the truth. When you're asked by someone to promise to do something, just say yes or no. And let that be it. Two questions. Well, one question. Do you know our God is a faithful God? He has sworn and he will keep his promises. And he can save, he can save anybody who will just be honest with him about their sin. When I was 17 years old and I was at a kitchen table and John Cranford looked at me and said, you know you're a sinner. I could have said, well, I'm not that bad a sinner. What is that? A lie. You know what I said? Yes. He says, you know you deserve hell. And I went, yes. You know, there's no reason why God should save you except that he wants to. You're right. Would you like to be saved now? Yes. You know, when you're real and you're honest, God can do anything with you. You don't have to be smart. 
You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be rich. You just need to be real. Stand with me. Bow your heads, please. Every head bowed, your eye closed. Let me just ask you to think for a second. What's your conversation like? Eh, maybe some people in this room are very good with their speech and they don't say, I swear. And they don't use vulgar words in their conversation. That's a good thing. Both those things are very good. But you ever, do you ever promise anything? Do you ever value the fact that this, this kingdom of God needs people who promise to stay on track and not constantly be pulled out by the world. Do you ever make any promises that matter? Like that you're going to stay pure, you're going to keep your eyes clean, you're going to keep your anger out, you're going to keep your heart clean. You ever make any promises? You ought to make some good eternal promises and then keep them. And then you need to make sure that you tell the truth. Because one of the marks of, of, of an unsaved person is they don't value the truth. They've never known anybody but their friends who always told them a lie, and they always just survived by a lie. Don't be like that. The one person who never lied to you and never will lie to you told you he loves you and he'd like to save you today. And if he has saved you, he'd like to use you. But he needs you to be real. So Heavenly Father, unusual message. But really, almost nothing that you ever said was normal. And I pray that God, as it, as it worked in me, I pray that it would work in us. And that we take our words seriously. We take our promises, take our, our affirmations. What we, what we say are true, to be true. Because we are living in a generation where people don't even know that they're lying anymore. They've lied so much all their life. We live in a generation that doesn't think that anybody can tell the truth. And it has to be that when they meet Christians, that they know, there's one thing I know about those guys. They don't lie and they keep their promises. Lord, would you help us to be that way? In Jesus' name, amen.